Welcome to 99 Miles Per Hour with me, your host, Percy Garner. Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Your Pizza. Now, this is a local pizza shop in New Philly. Uh, they're at 152 Front Avenue in New Philadelphia. You can find their pizza online at yourpizzashop.com. Or if you can call right now for uh, to order for delivery, it's 330-339-48888. Now, you can also find subs, uh, salads, of course, and uh, boneless wings. Now, y'all know me. <laughs> if y'all seen the show before, I don't be messing with the salads. But they got everything for everybody. Try some of this pizza. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Do your do. Welcome to my pad. This your lab. Go create your move. Welcome to 99 Miles Per Hour Podcast with me, your host, Percy Garner. Thank everyone for tuning in. We have a special guest today um, that I've known for a while. And, uh, you know, it's been a while since we've talked, so it's going to be some good catching up. Can't wait. But before we get to our guest, I just want to thank our sponsors for the day, your pizza and Peterman Plumbing. We appreciate everything you guys make possible for this podcast and uh, everything we do moving forward. Now, today, we have someone who I played summer college ball with for the most famous team, Star County Terriers. <laughs> I don't know if they're still a team, but um, uh, we have some great memories and some scary memories um, about some teammates we had uh, that we'll touch on a little bit. But today we want to talk about, you know, something that I might have been guilty of, but we might share my personal stuff. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to talk about athletes and and some of the things they go through, you know, being new draftees and stuff like that and uh, some mistakes they make. So uh, I'm in I'm in store for, you know, I'm ready. I'm excited. So let's get to it. Uh, the guest we have today is uh, the son of the voice of Indians. His name is Nick Hamilton. He is an investment advisor at JT Stratford. Thank you for coming on today, Nick. Thanks for having me, Percy. Yeah, how you doing, man? Good, good. It's been a long time. It has. What, what was that, 2009, 2010, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I think that was summer 2009. Yeah, and so, then, yeah, you spent some time with the Phillies, too, though, right? Yeah, so I got drafted not, not nearly as high as you did, I. <laughs> I didn't have anybody call me up trying to manage my money um, <laughs> once I got drafted in the 35th round, but uh, I got drafted in 2012. Um, I played at Kent State, so we're, we're both matching guys. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That's yeah. what's up. That's what's up. I didn't get recruited by Kent State, but it's all good. Uh, you know, we both part of the MAC, though. But uh, you know, I, I, I don't hold much of a grudge. Not get recruited by Kent State. That's what I wanted. I know. That's that's my problem. That's why you know I hold a grudge a little bit to Ohio State and Kent State, but that's well documented on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, like, what's been going on? Since? Uh, one of about twenty guys that probably has that grudge against Ohio State. So. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but what's been going on since we last uh, were teammates on the Star County Terriers? Well, um, my uh, journey has been kind of long and winding. Uh, just obviously a lot like yours has been, right? You know, a, a lot happens during that uh, time period from the time you're, whoa. Uh-oh, they're going to make sure. From the time you're 18 <laughs> to the time, yeah, knock my laptop off. Um, just from the time you're 18 to the time you're 30. It's a really transformational time in life, and, and that's why I love doing what I do now. But, um, you know, just just for me, I, I, I went to Xavier University my first year. Um, 
you know, just wasn't real comfortable at the school. Uh, and quite frankly, wanted to be closer to home and, and wanted to be at a bigger school. So I ended up transferring to Kent State. Um, and then, you know, that's when we had played uh, when I was in that transfer process. And, uh, you know, had a great, great time at Kent. Um, I, I was a dual major in finance and business management um, and, and always thought I would use that at some point. Um, but once I got out of playing minor league ball, I actually worked as a scout. Okay. Uh, I ended up being an area scout with the Kansas City Royals um, and got moved down to Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama. That that was my territory, okay. if you will. Obviously, you know the scouting process so mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, those those area scouts really get a chance to get to know the players. And um, it was fun to kind of come down here and, and learn a little about this area and, and obviously the players that are here. Um, but then I met someone. And, uh, you know, once – once I got married, you know, being on the road over 200 nights a year and, and stuff wasn't really something that I felt comfortable with, you know, just long term going forward. So uh, just kind of looking at my options and whatnot, I kind of went back to just something that had kind of sparked a passion for me in college. And that was finance and, and the markets and managing money and, you know, just, just making good decisions with your money. And, uh, you know, that's why I got into what I do now. That's what's up. I mean, uh, that's why, you know, I love having you on the show today just because, you know, I've kind of had a weird path with with money and and my learning curve took a little long. But, hey, it might you know, that might if once we get into it, you might tell, you know, tell me that that's the norm and that's how it is. You know, us men, we mature a little bit later than women. So whenever I. But but now I, you know, I, I love, you know, I was actually in life insurance a little bit and, you know, thinking about getting my series six and then stuff like that. So I I dabbled a little bit, you know, I'm not on your professional level, but um, just my interest is there. I read a lot of books and stuff. So I'm curious to, to get some uh, some feedback from you. Um, now, the thing that I was amazed about when we were playing uh, on the Terriers was, you know, I had never, uh, you know, foreshadowing I actually roommate. Um, and pro ball, uh, was deaf. So I was, I just wasn't aware that that would be possible. So when I met you, I was like, dang, and you were good too. So I was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, but just explain, uh, I guess, overcoming, you know, uh, being hard of hearing and, and stuff like that and playing baseball and, and now in your career now. Well, thanks, man. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate that, honestly. Um, you know, it's, as far as my story, it's, it's definitely a little bit different um, just because I'm not totally deaf, uh, which, which I'm really thankful for. Uh, just basically, long story short, it was a fairly rare condition. Um, I lost about 90% of my hearing and uh, by the age of three and a half, um, had a surgery to stop it right where it was. And then uh, from there, I was able to learn how to speak, um, you know, and, and, and get, excuse me, get fitted with hearing aids. Uh, which I've worn ever since. Uh, what's a little different about me, which which I didn't have on, you know, when we were playing, is I actually last year, you can see it right here. Okay. I got a uh, surgery for a cochlear implant. Okay. Um, unfortunately, my, my hearing over the years has gone down just a little bit, and it's just enough because I'm at a, a level where you're right on the border of – either being able to wear hearing aids and kind of get by with that or needing the cochlear implant. I kind of dipped into that uh, needing a cochlear implant category uh, just about a year ago. So, I, I mean, thankfully, once uh, 
once the COVID restrictions lightened up a little bit last summer, I was able to get that done. And it's been it's been a life changing experience for me. I'm I'm hearing things I I'd never heard before. So like like birds chirping yeah. and stuff like that. So it's been um you know it, it definitely has given me a different perspective on life. Um and uh, yeah, I mean as far as overcoming it, shoot, when you're three four years old, you don't you don't really know any better. Um, which I'm kind of thankful for, but I'm really thankful for my parents. You know, they're, they're the ones who, who put the bill on speech therapy and, you know, were willing to push me and, and make the sacrifice um, that it took to, you know, teach somebody who's a year or two late in learning how to speak, um, you know, how to speak. Yeah. And, and somebody now who doesn't hear naturally either. So it took a long time and it took a lot of years to really get to the point where I could speak and, and interact on a normal level. And, and if I didn't have parents that were so dedicated and, and, and absolutely when, when I say my mom and dad stopped at nothing, they stopped at nothing um, to, to try to give me a normal life. So I'm really thankful for that. That's what's up. I mean, I mean, that hits home for me just because uh, my wife, she has a hearing aid in one of her ears and really? Yeah, yeah, I know you didn't know that, and uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, yeah. So you know, it can be frustrating at times, but you know, I'm, I try to, you know, just because my dad was like that as well. My dad had like a hose blow up in his ear, so he was hard of hearing one okay. of his ears. And you know, with my wife, I got to make sure, even if I'm talking to her good ear, it's not it's not great either. So, um, but you know, I'm, it's it's something that you have to be aware of, and I try not to get you know, annoyed, I guess, with having to, cause I know it's, it's difficult, especially because when I married her, it wasn't really a thing or I didn't know much about it. And then it kind of just progressively got worse. So, you know, okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's tough to deal with. And I can't imagine being from her, uh, you know, standpoint and, you know, having kids and just, I know with her being paranoid with our baby monitors and stuff, it happened to be in a lot more louder just so we can hear the kids. So, um, you know, she, she, she's had to, you know, with me playing baseball and her being home alone a lot, you yeah. know, it was always a paranoia of her, you know, someone not, you know, breaking in and hearing, she not hearing, you know, stuff like that. So, um, and then I met this Superman. I don't know if you are ever heard of Tyson Gillies, but he was with the Phillies the same time as we were. Okay. And, uh, he was, I believe fully, fully deaf, but he he was really good at reading lips. And he was my roommate and I had just a funny story. I remember coming, I told him not to lock the door because <laughs> I, yeah. gave, I, gave yeah. I gave him the key and he locked the door and I came home, you know, we don't want to talk about what I was doing that night, but I came home late. I was a designated driver for a lot of my teammates. So I came home late and I literally had, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I had to bang on my door so he could feel the vibrations and he came, he, I woke him up through the vibrations through me banging on the door and him coming to get the door. So, um, you know, I, 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 you know, my hats off to, to people like yourself and, and Tyson just for, you know, not using it as excuse or pitying yourself, just, yeah. just not even thinking of it as a, as a, a disadvantage, just going through life. Like, you know, I'm normal, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do and I'm not using this excuse and I'm accomplishing great things. So I'm, you know, glad that you, uh, we were able to connect and get you on the show, but the real, the real reason, yeah, the real reason we got you here is to talk about, you know, athletes and some of the pitfalls and some of the stuff I have to do, deal with is to, uh, deal with too, is not trying to throw my family under the bus, but we'll get into some of this stuff. But, um, 
I guess we'll start off with just how'd you get into investing? I know you touched on a little bit saying, you know, you want to get back into it because that was your double major when you first started college. But uh, that initial yeah. push um, in, in the secondary push to get back into it, how'd you get back in there? Well, I got back into it, honestly, through a connection with my wife. She works as a child and adolescent mental health counselor. And, um, you know, her boss at the time, her husband, uh, he, he works in finance. And long story short, that ended up being my connection there. The the big thing that um, really stood out to me is, is, you know, trying to, I've always wanted to help people. I'm the oldest of four kids and I've always, I've always felt like that's had as, as big an impact as anything on me because, you know, um, you, you always feel like you, you want to help, you, you want to provide guidance, uh, just like my parents did for me and, and like I tried to do with my siblings. And, you know, money is one of the most stressful topics out there for anybody, whether you're a pro athlete, whether you're a nine to fiver, um, you know, it, it really doesn't matter because it takes so long to learn, truly learn all the ins and outs of money, you know, from, from the life insurance component, right? Yeah. Like that is just one component. Yeah. There, there are so many things that go into making good decisions and, and so many different, you know, just whether it's market factors, whether it's having a pandemic come up, things like that. Um, and it's an always changing environment. So long story short, it's confusing and it's something that um, generates a lot of stress for people, whether it's not having enough money or whether it's not knowing what to do with their money. Um, it, it generates, it ends up being one of the most stressful things in almost anybody's life. So being able to try to just try to provide some guidance, I think was what motivated, excuse me, just motivated me to get, um, back into, you know, that, that finance industry and, and, and just the mindset of, of, of the investing world, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I know, obviously you've had professional baseball experience, so you probably have seen some guys. I mean, you already touched on how you didn't need people knocking down your door about, you know, helping you with your money, but you might've seen other guys, you know, kind of yeah. struggle and, you know, that kind of sparked it as well. And then there's, you know, the, financial industry, you know, is a little, is a little weird. You got people, some people that take advantage of athletes and, and I don't want to give athletes an excuse or myself an excuse, but sometimes there is that worry there. Um, and, and luckily for me, I had an agent and financial advisor yeah. that were, you know, just goodwill people, good character and, and spiritual people. So they kind of sought after me before I even, you know, had money. So, uh, that was good for me, but not everybody's situations like that. But, um, I guess from the, what you've thought about and, and, you know, circled back into finance, what are the biggest pitfalls for these athletes that they're facing? Well, especially the new ones that get these big draft signing bonuses. Well, you know, and that's certainly one of the things I, I really remember about the Terriers with you is you were always one of the eight funniest guys. In, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> in the locker room, right? And, and you're always one of the smarter guys too, you know, and, and obviously, you know, smart people can make some bad decisions, but it certainly helps to, to really be thoughtful and, and really be connected and be willing to reach out and seek advice. Um, I, you know, but it's seeking the right advice. And I think that's one of the biggest things that is a pitfall for athletes. Um, it, it's really a few things. Like when you get drafted, especially the high school draftees, those are the ones that through the scouting process, 
And, and through my experience as a player, I don't know if, if you were the same way, but you would notice teammates who made really bad financial decisions, and not all of them were high school guys, right? Yeah. But yeah. a yeah. lot, boy, a, a higher percentage seemed to be. Yeah. And, and you can see why. You're 18 years old. You have this lump sum of money that's been given to you. And we've seen what, what, what full-grown men and women do with it. You yeah. know, <laughs> it, the, the stats show that 70% of lottery winners or people who fall into a really large lump sum, like, you know, uh, have, have, have a parent that dies and leaves them a lot of money, right? Okay. Um, you know, 70% of those people within three to five years are broke. They, they've blown through the whole thing. Wow. And that's people who are 40. That's people who are 50. That's people who have life experiences, families and stuff to worry about. Not not 18 year olds who have just yeah. themselves and a lot of free time. So you're asking. And thankfully, there are some agents out there. There are some financial advisors out there that might maybe have known the, the player and their family throughout the years and, you know, have been able to, you know, kind of kind of come alongside them a little bit and give them some guidance. Uh, that, that tends to help, but an awful lot of those guys, you know, I, I, I mean, you feel like you're bulletproof. Yeah. You just got paid a million bucks. You going to tell me something, you know, <laughs> I'm 18, I'm, I'm richer than everybody I know. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's just, just so putting yourself in their shoes is kind of the first step there. And then I think the, the biggest pitfalls I see, you know, are two things. First of all is there are a lot of people when, when it comes to money, the uh, biggest pitfalls is there are a lot of people who look to take advantage of pro athletes, especially young pro athletes like that. You know, they don't, you go to the university of Alabama and play football and Nick Saban's going to bring in some financial advisors. I, I know about a, a program that they do at Clemson with football where, where they have a financial advisor go in and speak and, uh, and kind of give some life lessons there and, and train you for that. A lot of times with these 18 year old kids, again, they, they haven't had that, um, the, the, you know, chance to get in front of experts like that and, and have people kind of, kind of show them the way a little bit. So, you know, you, you have that and then you also, so, so you're getting bad advice, right? You have a lot of people coming after these kids and the stats show too, 80% of pro athletes, just pro athletes in general, I'm not talking minor league baseball players, but pro athletes in general, 80% do, do at some point have somebody try to take advantage of them mm. at some point in time. And, and there's been a study done and, you know, it was kind of a big deal when it came out, like, how much, you know, these pro athletes are subject to these, these opportunists, if you will, um, who are looking, especially venture capital. Yeah. That's a big one. Um, but also family members, you know, and that's where most of it comes from. It's not the outside opportunists, but it's family members. It's that uncle that wanted to start a business and wants you to loan him 75 grand. And he knows you just signed for 500. So like, you, you make enough of those decisions or you buy mom and dad a car and a house. That's great. That's wonderful. But unfortunately, you know, once that car gets pulled off a lot, you don't realize because you're 18, you know, like how quickly that thing depreciates. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the first thing is being taken advantage of. But the second thing is, you know, is the mentality. 
And and what I mean by that is guys sign, and I can't tell you, I don't, I don't know about you, but I can't tell you how many guys I would talk with um, when when I was playing. And after signing, they would they they had the mentality that, okay, so I I signed for a million bucks, say. This will be enough to get me by this much money till I make the big leagues. And then have you seen what they make in the big leagues? Like, and then I'll be making that money. Yeah. So they treat this as like their bank account for the next three years. Yeah. But they don't really like understand that they may not make it. Or when they get there, you know, there's the whole arbitration process and, you know, you're That's, making the minimum. You're not, yeah. you're not making 10 million bucks right away. So, you know, I, I think, um, those are the two biggest pitfalls. Yeah. And I would say I did fall guilty to the second one you were talking about where, you know, I got my signing bonus, uh, which was around 500,000. And that was my first paycheck I've ever earned in my life. And for me, I didn't know that how much taxes was going to be taken out. till I got the check and I was like, what the, you know, I was like, Oh my God, they took all my money. But, um, other than taxes, I, you know, I just assumed in my head, Hey, I'm going to be, you know, a millionaire. I didn't know anything about arbitration. I didn't know how minor league baseball was going to go, let alone. I had just yeah. played one, like almost, I didn't even play two, four years of college baseball. So, uh, I wasn't, you know, very aware compared to basketball and football where you're, you most of the time, if you get drafted, you get your money right away. And uh, baseball, you know, people don't understand. You have to play three full seasons unless you're like Mike Trout or someone like that. You have to play three full seasons before you get a contract of long term. Other than the first three seasons, you're just playing on the league minimum, which is still a lot of money. But it's not guaranteed if you get hurt. you never know what could happen. So I was definitely guilty of going, well, all right, I got this 500,000 in a couple of years. I'm probably be in the big leagues, make a million. So, you know, I was buying everybody cars and stuff like that. I was, I was doing it in a humble manner. I wasn't, you know, my car, right. my car was a used car. My family's cars were used cars, but <laughs> you know, uh, who knows? I probably would have bought everybody Range Rovers if I signed for a couple of mil, but <laughs> it just wasn't responsible. Uh, and, uh, you just got to think about the future. And when you're 18 yeah. or 21, it's hard to do that. You're only, you're, you're very optimistic and you're thinking about different types of futures. <laughs> so, right. you know, thinking, right. I, I think it's fine. I mean, from what I've learned from finances, you kind of want to live. I know it's hard to do, but when you're younger, you can live humbly because once you, you know, get older, 50, 60, retire, that's when you really, you know, you can live life. <laughs> but yeah, I know a lot of people don't like to live by that. But, um, you know, for me, the th- coolest thing I thought about with the Indians is they they gave us these books on how to say no to, you know, family members or, or vultures, uh, so to speak who it it was kind of cool you know instead of because i didn't realize you had to pay for tickets when you get up there so instead of saying hey you know i'll get you a ticket to the game it's like hey if you you know get your own ticket i'll come take a picture autograph a baseball something like that and the indians were very they were very privy to to you know this this issue that athletes fall pitfall to so uh it was very good for them to you know take that leap and kind of help the players out because they, that was one step of them showing that they, they care for their players, which that's what I felt. But Absolutely. I've always wondered if, you know, I mean, ha- just having been in the minor league system, obviously kind of growing up around the organization and in, in, in a lot of ways with my dad and, and his job, um, I've always wondered if over the last 10 years, they've had incredible success drafting and developing players, obviously, especially pitching, but players in general. 
Um, I've always wondered if, if the off the field preparation had anything to do with that. I mean, I, it, it seems like it's, it, look, there's from, from scouting, there's three ways that guys fail is what I've noticed um, is, you know, one, they just don't play well enough, you know, whether it's the pressure or, or whatever, or, or maybe they just weren't as good as we thought they were, yeah. but they just don't play well enough. Two is injury. You know, you can't do much about that, but guys get hurt. And you don't know, once a guy rips up his knee, you know, you don't know if he's going to come back and steal 50 bags anymore, you know, if if he was that kind of guy or a guy blows out his arm. There's no guarantee once the guy gets hurt, right? Yeah. Um, And then the third thing is the -the off-the-field distractions, how you manage your personal life, whether it's, you know, just just your personal – you know, family, friends, your your inner circle, who you're dating, all that stuff. Um, whether it's substance abuse, obviously, there's that's out there. Or whether it's money, and money can become a big distraction. So I seems like the Indians really prep guys for that third one yeah. really well. Yeah, they- you know, because we all focus on the first two. <laughs> you know, in, in the baseball industry, but that third one kind of gets brushed to the wayside, and you know. The, the Indians seem really well equipped with that. So yeah. it's interesting to hear you say that they, they have programs like that. Yeah, they've invested in it. But the thing is also when you when you think about the young people, um, you know, going off to college and, you know, oh, they might not apply themselves because they're partying. Imagine that college student not having to go into class and just being thrown a million dollars like that. Yeah. <laughs> off the, off the yeah, field yeah. issues could, could definitely multiply. But, um, yeah, it's – it's definitely something that I think people need to be aware of. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's also, uh, it's a weird subject, uh, especially when you're signing the contract and your whole family's like leaning over, looking at the number that you're, <laughs> you're signing. And I was, you know, it's my sister thought I was getting my signing bonus every year. So <laughs> yeah, she thought that was going to be my salary. So she was like, Oh my gosh, I want a pink Range Rover. But <laughs> I'm just like, uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, the, the thing, the other thing I wanted to ask you is because, you know, I'm curious is like, um, what is like are a few differences you see besides some that we touched already between the people who get their money really fast and the people yep. who become millionaires, say, following Dave Ramsey's plan or just were right. real, real conservative and kind of just became millionaires uh, when they retired. What's the difference you see there? I mean, there's there's so many, um, <laughs> you know, what I, I, I think I, I know it sounds obvious and it, it might sound like a cop out, but it really is psychological in so many ways. I mean, it's, it's the ability, especially in our society today and our generation, you know, like. We are not good at, you know, not falling into that trap of instant gratification, you know, being willing to kind of hold back that satisfaction and just and just wait a little longer. Um, you know, that that willingness and, and that patience um, really has to be taught in, in a lot of ways. Um, but the other thing is, too, it's, it's kind of like here, here's what I compare it to is people who are really healthy. People who, who maintain good physical condition over time, not necessarily people that never eat ice cream, yeah. you know, or people that never have any fun, you know, mm. go out and have a beer on the weekend. Like there are plenty of healthy people who do that too, but in general, their habits yeah. add up to, to a healthy lifestyle, you like know, um, like they, they, you don't have to be perfect, you know, but 
you want to be genuinely healthy. It's the same thing with your finances, you know, uh, generally healthy people in terms of their personal finances generally make more good decisions than bad. And, and when they make bad decisions, they aren't terrible decisions. You know, they aren't, they, they, they aren't decisions that, you know, put them in a massive amount of debt. Um, and I think that's probably, you know, kind of going off of that. If there's one big thing to avoid, it's the things that put you in debt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, know for me, that, I was lucky, you know, I got money that got me out of college debt. Because uh, believe yeah. it or not, I wasn't smart enough to accept it on my full rides. I, I decided to go to college right to pay. <laughs> you learned you played football a little bit, right? Yes. Yeah, so that was my right. initial uh, focus was football. And I ended up choosing Ball State because they said I could play both. But then they decided against that. But <laughs> anyways, but yeah, yeah, I it was it was definitely relieving being able to just pay off that college debt and not have to worry about that. Yeah. But, you know, there's still traps out there, you know. Um, with credit cards, it's really easy to just, you know, swipe and, and, and go into debt. And in America, everyone just is like, well, everyone's in debt. You know, that's, that's, that's okay. That's just the way. And I was just like, no, it is not. Uh, not everyone's in debt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things like in working with minor league players, like they're, what, what's so difficult about that too. You mentioned the credit card. Um, that's, that's one that gets people a lot. Uh, especially when you're out on the road as often as they are, right? So I, I highly encourage people to use like that that Mint app or, or the Every Dollar app. I know it's a Dave Ramsey one. Like yeah. that, they are they are good ways to connect your credit card and just know if you know how much you're spending, you're much less likely to you know overspend than. If, you know, that's what gets people with credit cards is they don't realize how much they're spending on it because they don't really track it. Um, and, and you don't get that notification from the bank saying you're out of money. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, they'll, they'll let you keep swiping. So, um, you know, I mean, that's that's been one of the biggest things, I think, with, you know, the, the new technology we have out there, um, you know, using the Mint app, using the Every Dollar app, things like that to help you keep track so that you know what you're what your credit card statements look like yeah. at any time. Yeah. And I, I'd rather err on the, the, the side of, you know, maybe looking at it too much than not looking at it at all. But before we get out of here, cause we've gotten a lot of good information from you and I appreciate that. I just want to ask, you know, how, how was it, you know, cause I don't know how long your, your dad's been the voice of the Indians, but how was that growing up around baseball? Did you have as much access as, you know, we would think, or like how would you get to hang around the players or how was that? <laughs> Well, I wasn't like best friends with Sandy Almar growing up or anything <laughs> like that. I, I certainly wish I could say that. Um, but, you know, my my dad was awesome yeah. with sharing his job uh, with me. Um, you know, obviously, who's the player? You're going to have to help me with this one. Who's the player that had the kid in the clubhouse every day with him for the White Sox like five years ago? Wait, for the, oh, the White Sox. Oh, and then they didn't actually he get in trouble about that or something like that? Yes, I. It wasn't Adam I, LaRoche, was it? Adam LaRoche, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Adam LaRoche, yeah, he had it. So, so I was, I, I, I certainly wasn't Adam LaRoche's kid. <laughs> like hanging around the clubhouse all day long, had all the batting gloves and stuff. Yeah. But you know what gave me um, an insight into it? Uh, he always, you know, I love talking baseball, and he was more than willing to to, to talk with me and. 
Um, he would take me down once a year. It was, it was really cool. He would take me down once a year and I would kind of follow his work day. So he would go interview the manager and, you know, watch batting practice, which is my favorite part. Yeah. Um, you know, and I get to like shake guys' hands and, and, and meet them. And, um, you know, you know, those, those guys were my heroes, yeah. you know, like all of us growing up in the Cleveland area, right? Like, yeah. the, you know, the uh, Kenny Loftons and the Jim yeah. Tomies of the world and just having a chance to shake their hand and, you know, just interact with them for one day a year was really cool. So yeah, that, that was certainly, uh, you know, just have a lot of memories and, and some stories too, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I certainly wasn't, wasn't in there every single day or anything like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, um, is there anything else you would like to share that you feel like we didn't cover that you want to talk about? You know what? No. I mean, I think one of the biggest things, you know, players is, is you know, watch who you just, first of all, don't, um, don't hesitate to reach out and, and get help. Right. But also make sure you're getting qualified help, you know, make sure you, you can look up online, you know, the, the uh, it's called FINRA, or you can also look at the SEC's website, not, yeah. not the football conference, you know, <laughs> um, but, but, but you can look at their websites and you can see if this financial advisor that reached out to you or, or somebody who's recommended um, you to them, uh, and see if they're registered, if they have qualifications. I think that's important because now uh, you're seeing a lot of coaches and coaching and yeah. some are okay, yeah. but there, there is something to be said for having the training and, um, you know, working with this for a living, yeah. uh, you know, it, it as makes opposed to the good. YouTubers. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, like, hey, if you're about to go under the knife, right, for, for, for Tommy John surgery, would you rather have Dr. Andrews doing it or would you rather have a guy yeah. that you know, <laughs> reads a lot about it? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, when, when you're making those kind of big career decisions or you're making life decisions, you know, make sure you're getting somebody who's qualified to help you. That's just one of the things you're starting to see a little bit more now. Um, where everybody has the voice online and on social media, it's great. And then there's the pitfall and, and that pitfall can be really difficult to avoid if you don't know what you're looking for. So, you know, don't hesitate to reach out for help, but make sure that helps qualified. Awesome. Well, Nick, man, I, I'm so glad to have you on here. You know, I plan on doing this podcast for forever. Um, so, you know, we may have you on here later few years down the line you know you never know so uh you're always welcome back if you have something else to share with us yeah and um yeah man uh i appreciate everybody who's watching right now um hopefully you learned something hopefully you listened (laughs) and uh you know we'll be back here next tuesday once again i want to say thank you to our sponsors your pizza go get you some your pizza in new philly and uh peterman plumbing if you need some renovations other than you know getting that toilet fixed because you forgot to do a courtesy flush in between turds and no, i'm sorry. <laughs> call peterman plumbing <laughs> but uh i appreciate everybody make sure you uh like and subscribe you know we are far away from that thousand subscribers so we need to get there y'all like come on now we've been at 250 for a year <laughs> but no again i'll see you guys next tuesday appreciate you guys for watching peace it feels like Casablanca Shouting you my little mama I got a crib out of water Say me Casablanca It feels like Casablanca Shouting you my little mama